Broadcasting from Boulder, Colorado. This is the Baby Got Backstory podcast, where we dive into the story behind the story of today's most inspiring storytellers, creators, and entrepreneurs. I like big backstories, and I cannot lie. I am your host, Mark Gutman. Mark, Mark, Boark, Banana, Nana, Fofark, Fee, Fi, Mo, Mark, Mark. That's right. Today, we are playing the name game. I'm Mark Gutman, and on today's episode of Baby Got Backstory, we're going to try something new. I've been doing a lot of naming of businesses lately, and I thought we'd try something different on the Baby Got Backstory podcast, which is a little naming master class. So if you were hoping for the backstory of a big brand and have no interest in naming, you can skip this one. But I can assure you this episode is full of gold nuggets. So your call. We're living in interesting times right now. Uh, there, there are a lot of businesses uh, that will end, unfortunately. And the only bright side of that is there's a lot of new ones that will be created and pop up as a result of what we're going through. And so I've decided to give away the inside info, the secret sauce, the goods, the naming playbook, if you will. This is how I do it. And this is how the Wild Story team does it. Uh, the kimono is now open, as they say, which somehow feels inappropriate these days. So we got to talk to the uh, pop culture saying people that allow the saying of the kimono is now open. We got to talk to them. That doesn't that doesn't seem right. But anyway, hopefully this will be helpful and you can learn a little something about how to name or rename your business or product. So names. Names are really tricky things. Uh, the right name, the right brand name becomes an asset. Uh, it can signal differentiation and lock into the consumer's mind instantly. The wrong name can cost millions in income and probably cost the person credited with naming their job with that wrong name. The right name creates an emotion in us that triggers a buying decision. And we don't so much buy brands anymore as much as we join them. And so a name is the first introduction to your product or service. I want to give a little disclaimer that this shouldn't be considered an all-encompassing overview, but it is thorough and should be more than enough for you to name your business, product, or service. I'm going to go through a lot today. And I want to remind you the name only becomes great once the business becomes great. It doesn't matter how awesome your name is if there's no great business behind it. And many, many, many times the business makes a name what it is. The business, the brand gives the name meaning and vice versa. I mean, in hindsight, there's a lot of names that were not originally great. I mean, is Coca-Cola a great name? What about Kodak? It's kind of weird. Google is the result of someone mishearing the name. Apple, Apple Computer, I don't know, not a great name. Microsoft, Toyota, just named after a person, and same with Mercedes-Benz. So those names over time became great. I think that's a bit of the lesson, too, that if you build a great brand, you can make a name great. But as we get into naming, it is important to keep a lot of things in mind. And this project of naming is its one of my favorite things to do. It's so, so fun. Uh, its You know, you, you get to invent and, and rethink of what the brand and the name will be. And, and it's one of my favorite things to do in branding. And it's a process that is a combination of the magical and the logical. The logical being is this is a process. We go through a process. We have a way of doing this. We, we have a, a repeatable way of doing this, but the magical is the creative side and, 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 and really digging deep and flexing that creative muscle. And before you say to yourself, I can't be creative or I can't come up with good names, I am going to put an end to that right now. I believe in my heart of hearts that anybody can be creative, that anybody, everybody has the ability to be creative and come up with great names. So when we think of the naming process, I like to think of it as a funnel. And we're going to start that funnel up top very, very wide. And just like a funnel, we are going to narrow 
throughout the process, narrow, 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 and cut out uh, name after name until we actually find the name we want to do. And so I'm going to really quickly describe what our naming funnel looks like. I'll repeat it uh, as we go through the process again. But the first thing we want to do is we just want to establish some criteria, get some guide rails. What kind of name do we want? Do we want an agreed upon feel? Do we want it to be happy, playful, youthful? Do we want the name, you know, do we just not like names that are uh, what I would call a names de Provence, which is a, a name after a person. Do we not want a descriptive name? Do we want a made up word? Um, you know, we really need to understand what our narrative and strategy is of our business so that the name can match that. And we really need to think about where we are in uh, the design phase. And we also need to consider any outside factors like legal factors, things like that. And then what we're going to do is we're going to go through at least and try to generate at least a hundred names. I like to do, you know, up to five times that 500 names and then, and, and go through and we're going to do some just, you know, basic checking. We're going to like, see, do we like the name? We're going to do Google searches. We're going to do basic legal checks. And you can expect about 40 to 60% of all your names to fall out at this level. We'll, we'll shortlist 15 to 20. We'll do some deeper legal checks. We'll shortlist another six to 10. And we'll start to test with our brand narrative, our taglines, our messaging, our voice. We'll do some final legal checks. And then uh, if we're a big budget firm, we'll take two to four into design, design around those, and then choose our name. Now, I definitely have uh, some... Uh, uh, a whittled down version of this process for startups, for people that have don't have a lot of legal resources that are only going to take one name into design. So just stick with us and I will walk you through that as well. So what makes a good name? Well, the first thing we need to understand is it's not about finding the perfect name because perfect names don't exist. Perfect names are unicorns. They're Garofalos. They're mythical creatures. There's no such thing as a perfect name. But what we are looking for and what we are trying to find is the right name. And so as you go through your process, you don't want to continually be asking yourself, do I like it? Because that's full of bias. Any given day, you could have bumped into a brand that has a similar name. You could have had a bad day at the market, you know, something that you saw on TV could be influencing you that doesn't really truly affect the name. And so we want to remove our bias. And instead, we want to continually ask ourselves, is it right? And so there are criteria that we can look for when looking for a great name for our business. And I have seven criteria that I really like. Uh, the first is distinctiveness. Is it distinct? Is it unique? The second piece of criteria I always like to put against the name is brevity. Is it short? You know, like you don't want a name that is too long. Number three, is it appropriate? The appropriateness of the name. Does it fit? Number four, and this is a big one for me personally, is easy spelling and pronunciation. If I get tongue-tied when saying your name, that is bad. If I cannot spell your name easily, that is even worse. Number five is likability. Do I like it? Does it bring a smile to my face? Does it bring me a good emotional feeling? Number six, extendability. Can I do other things with this name? If we get caught into Mark's Water Bottle Company. Uh, it's a bad name for a lot of reasons, but I can only sell water bottles. And what if I want to do something else? And then lastly, we really want to have protectability and ownership. We want to make sure that we can own this as an asset, that this is a name that we can own in our space. And that brings me to another point that within a given space, you might have the only name, but you certainly don't have the only name in the world. It's almost impossible to find the only name in the world for a particular name. You're going to have a lot of different competitors that might have the same name as you, and you're going to have to be okay with that where you don't want to have the same name is in your segment or market. Another way you can test your name is through this five-point checklist. Is it meaningful? Number two, does it, does it 
have imagery? Does it like, when you say it, does it take you to a place? Does it make you think of something? And we'll go through some examples of that a little later. Is it suggestive? Is it suggestive of your name, of your business, of what you're trying to accomplish, of your mission, of your feelings, of your beliefs? Does it have legs? Is it extendable? And is it emotional? So one thing that we want to get into and really talk about is that, so we've already said that there is no such thing as the perfect name. We are looking for the right name. And it's also really important to realize that a name can't do everything. A name can't do everything. And so your name should do part of the job, but it can't do everything. So you need to look at what the name is communicating and then compensate with your tagline, your visual design, which would be your identity, like your logo, your color system, your fonts, and then your copy and advertising. Don't try to do everything and tell the whole story with your name. A lot of times it's really fun where people can use a made up word and then use the tagline, their visual design and their copy to tell the rest of the story. Now, there's ways of breaking down names into several different categories. I personally like about four, uh, but if you really want to nerd out on this subject, we can probably do another episode where we get into it and we talk about other types of names. But for the sake of this episode, we're going to stick to four. So first are descriptive names. And descriptive names are really great because they tell you what the business does. They're very descriptive. A con of descriptive names is that they can tend to be generic or not be very imaginative. And so examples of a descriptive name might be core power yoga, right? They tell us that they do yoga, that it's about their whole philosophy is is this idea of core power, core power yoga. American Airlines, (laughs) they're the airline that flies for America. And Canadian Tire, all really descriptive names. The other category of names are image-based names, names that evoke an emotion, a feeling that take you to a place. Patagonia is a great one, you know, and with their logo, they really take you to this place of adventure far, far away. Visa, love that name. It's such a great name for a travel card, especially a business whose whole positioning is around travel. So when you need to travel, you need a visa. That's what you get when you go from country to country. And that's a great image-based name. How about Amazon? It's a name I always like. Just as a huge, huge expanse of rainforest. And they have everything from A to Z. It's a great image-based name. The third category that you can put names into are abstract names. Names like Google, Kodak, Xerox, you know, I'm kind of using abstract also in the made up name category. So uh, Google really isn't a a made up name. It's misspelled, but it it stands for uh, one followed by a hundred zeros, I believe. And, uh, but Kodak's a made made up name. Kodak is a made up name. And so is Xerox. And then the fourth category are names of provenance. And those would just be names that are named after typically a family or a heritage uh, event or brand or town. So something like Ford, Goldman Sachs, Mercedes-Benz, Harley-Davidson. Those are all named after the founders and give a lot of credibility and heritage to those family names. You know, and I always think that a really great name should catch your attention and make you smile. And if you're doing it really, really well, the names I love most uh, are names that really encapsulate the feature, the benefits and the feelings, and then make you smile. I literally just came across this name the other day as I was prepping for this podcast. And there is a uh, company out there that deals with women's sexuality called OMG Yes. And I just think that that is the best name ever. It's a business dedicated to women's sexual pleasure backed by science. So they're a credible company, but they don't want to be too serious. They don't want to come off as too rigid or bland. And so they have this really fun, playful name. It doesn't feel too scientific and it couples with what they do perfectly. Awesome, awesome name. So a couple thoughts 
on renaming. So you might be listening to this and you might be starting from the ground up and uh, starting your name uh, from scratch, but you also might be a business uh, who is looking to rename and thinking, is the time right? And so here are a few ground rules around renaming and some principles that you should be thinking about. First, be really clear about why the change is needed. Do you have a compelling reason for it? Uh, like, what are the business benefits? Are there legal considerations? I've worked with businesses that have uh, acquired a bunch of other companies and they need to rename for that reason. Uh, they've also had legal uh, considerations where it's just better and the timing is right for renaming. But you should really have a strong case for change uh, to make sure that you understand what goes into naming because it's not very re, not very easy. Should also assess the impact of change. So it's a really big thing. Uh, it's, it's way more complicated than creating a new name because you're taking established brand equity and all your existing brand communications and having to change them. So you should really go through and, and try to go through and understand what the real cost is to your brand from a actual monetary standpoint and a brand equity standpoint. How is this going to affect your investments and your operations? Really be clear on what you're trying to say before you name it. So look, naming is emotional. It gets it gets emotional. It gets political. Everybody has a viewpoint on it. And it's really hard to see this objectively for a lot of people. So getting in in ahead of it and, and setting criteria and creating a brief, which we'll talk about next, will really help everybody get on the same page and help uh, herd the, the cats, so to speak. And then in addition to the other rules that we've talked about or other principles that we've talked about with naming, here's a big one. Transition with confidence. Make sure you introduce your new name as part of, of your story that conveys clear benefits to your employees, customers, and shareholders. Tell everyone why. Don't just say, ta-da, we've changed our name. That generally falls flat. You need to commit to the change with confidence, uh, with excitement, with enthusiasm. You know, I don't really believe in slow name changes. Do it quickly, rip the bandaid off, and then go ahead and, and, and go out there and go forth with your new name. Having two names in the market at the same time is confusing to both internal and external audiences, and there's just no real name for it. All right, so now that we've covered renaming, let's go ahead and talk about names and naming things to avoid. So I mentioned this earlier, but the first thing we just want to totally avoid are like weird spelled names, names that have spelling challenges. We don't want to do jams with a Z or anything crazy like that. You're not being cute. You're not being clever. You're just being confusing. And those names age quickly and typically aren't taken seriously. Really want to avoid copycat names. I don't know what it is about branders and marketers, but they love to copy. So for a while there were uh, rocket names. There were dot, dot ly names. Uh, there was a big craze for i names like iClock, iPod, you know, iCar, whatever. There's a lots of something and something names right now. For example, Martha and Marley Spoon. You know, people trying to be like Crate and Barrel, doing the and thing. I'm seeing a lots of lots of hello exclamation point names like hello fresh or hello sam or, or whatever so uh really kind of stay away from that you're, you're you're not jumping on a trend you're just going to be seen as a copycat and you're going to be grouped in the group of uh, names in history that were the hello exclamation point names and you don't want to be that try to avoid restrictive names things that box you into a corner tim's roller skates really really specific tim isn't going to be selling anything but roller skates. And if something happens to Tim, then that whole business is kaput. Now, sometimes, you know, one of my favorite brands is Justin's Nut Butter. He sells nut butters, almond butter, peanut butter, but he knows that he's going to stay within that framework. And they've actually extended that name just to be Justin's. And so even I think when he started, and I'm trying to get him on the podcast, so Justin, if you're listening to this, come on board. But I believe when he started, it was Justin's Almond Butter or something. And so it was really tight and they had to extend it out to Justin's. Try not to have an annoying name. This is subjective, but personally, I've never liked Yahoo! Yahoo! Uh, it's considered a good name, but like, I just don't like it. It's always been a name that's turned me off. Um, sometimes being polarizing can work to your advantage, but I would say don't do anything too 
cheeky like that. I have a criteria that not to be boring. Now, let's not focus on the negative. Let's flip this into a positive. Pick a name that's dynamic and exciting, something that has energy. Let's not be stale. Let's not be rote. Let's not just like be beige. Let's come up with a name that that really uh, says something about our business. Try to avoid the curse of knowledge. And what that means is if you're an expert in your field and you're doing a bunch of lingo and, and techie terms and things like that, try to avoid that. Now, in some instances, a great name can come out of that. There's a really cool story about WD-40 and, oh, I wish, I think it's Water Displacement 40 is what it stands for. And it was the 40th time they had tried that formula. And in the notebook of the different scientists, it said WD-40, uh, which was Water Displacement-40, 40th time. And that's what they ended up naming the product. Is it a great name? You know, we can argue that. I don't think it's the best name. The product itself, the history, the the benefits, the features of that product give it a lot of legs and lend it to that name. But that is an example of where the curse of knowledge, where a tech-specific name actually comes into play. Also, Google. You know, Google was kind of a nerd name uh, where it was a hundred followed by is it a thousand or a million zeros, and it was misspelled and great name. So watch out for that. But like all rules, and I believe this kind of in my life, all rules under the right circumstances are meant to be broken. Just understand what you are breaking and why, and be conscious that those rules or principles are in place for a reason. And sometimes you're smarter than the law and sometimes you're not. I'll leave it at that. And then we just want to avoid really hard to pronounce names. We don't want anything that's going to read funny, that's going to trip up your customers when they're going through it and you get really cute and it's hard to pronounce. We don't want that. And as we get into this naming game, we want to be aware of avoiding what, what I like to call grandma's cat syndrome. Uh, and what happens is someone will say, oh, that name was great. Uh, and I'm looking around at my office right now. Uh, headphones is great, but my grandma had a cat named that, and therefore we can't name it that. Let's avoid that. Let's not get into that. We don't want to be bringing our bias to different names and eliminating a great name, the right name, because grandma had a cat by that name. All right, now that we've covered the theoretical and all the principles and all the rules uh, about naming, let's get to the practical. Let's get naming. Let's do this thing. Uh, I'm going to go through a bunch of different frameworks and ways that we actually uh, come up with great names, and uh, we'll go from there. And hopefully you'll be able to apply this to your business, whether you're uh, starting fresh or uh, with a brand new name or you're renaming. Or maybe it'll even give you some thoughts about an existing name that you have and uh, maybe what you might have done differently if you had the opportunity. So before we get into our process, I want you to think about this. You never know where a great name is going to come from. You never know where a great name is going to come from. And, you know, I think about this all the time because we co-create, we collaborate with our clients. And if it was just left up to the team at Wild Story, we would, we probably wouldn't come up with half the great names we've come up with because, we are open to anyone coming up with a great name. And oftentimes, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, oftentimes it's that front level employee, not the marketing team, not the branding team that has a great idea that either comes up with the name or a name we can build on. So, hey, we're not a uh, kind of organization that says, hey, this wasn't invented here. We didn't come up with it. We're trying to protect our value. We just want the right name for our clients. And you should want the right name for your business too. So remember, you never know where a great name is going to come from. So this process can take anywhere from six seconds. This, the name just comes to you. The right name just comes to you. Six hours, you can do it in a full day or six months. But a really good rule of thumb with planning, with writing your brief, with with blocking out time is about four weeks. So I plan about four weeks to come up with a great name and the right name. And, you know, that will give you enough time for the fully research and brainstormed process. So the first thing that you want to do in any naming endeavor is create your criteria and your strategy. And the best way to do that is to create a naming brief. 
Uh, brief is really easy. You can just go ahead and create it. And a typical naming brief should have the following. You should have the goal of the project. So, hey, why are we doing this? We want to develop a brand name for the new combined company, um, blah, blah, blah. And I'm reading from a brief right now and withholding the name of the actual client. You then want to just give a quick overview. Uh, we call this in a nutshell. And you want to say, hey, the company provides this and that and these types of experiences. This is the customer it might appeal to. Uh, this is the feeling we want to have. We then list out the brand positioning. Any customer or consumer insights. Hey, this is how people are seeing themselves. Uh, local is very important to our clients. You know, our product is starting to produce, uh, replace other more traditional methods of doing what we do, that sort of thing. Target audience, who are we talking to? And, you know, we'll probably do another podcast just on target audiences and personas, but getting super specific about who we are talking to, the competition, What's the competition look like? And, and actually, in our naming brief, we, we do a list and then we even go a little deeper. Uh, we want to know like, hey, what names are out there? A really great way to do this is to list it in text, but also just go screen grab all the competition in your, your sector and your segment and go ahead and put it on a slide. And you can really quickly start to see, hey, what is everybody tending to name their their organization their business are they all descriptive names are they all are they all reminiscent of the outdoors are they all uh, named after different 14ers here in Colorado that's a real opportunity for you to do something different and you can see that real real quick when you put everything up on a slide and then I also like to put up names of adjacent industries so for example say you're in the climbing gym industry, you know, I would also want to look at things like Soul Cycle, Planet Fitness, Lifetime Fitness, Core Power Yoga. What are those people doing and how are they naming and, and being successful? Just good to anchor against the other names that, that you're looking for. I then, in the naming brief, like to list out the desired brand experiences. A lot of times this can happen with our customers will think or our customers will feel. Our customers will say after the experience with us. So go ahead and list that out. Uh, then we want to make sure that we list out the brand personality. Uh, if you haven't done this already, you can just go ahead uh, and do that. If you haven't done that as part of a uh, voice and tone exercise, and that's something we do with a lot of clients. The other thing you want to put in the naming brief are what are words to explore? What are words that we think that we really want to touch on? Go ahead and list those out. And then what are themes, words, or ideas to avoid? What are the, the things that you would say, don't even think of going here? And go ahead and get those out and in the brief so you don't waste any time going there. Maybe you hate names that start with a K. Really interesting story about the founder of Kodak. He loved K names. He thought they were strong. He thought they were, that they, that they were confident. And so the way that he wanted to name that company is he said he wanted it to begin with a K and end with a K and be a real strong short word. So that would have been in his naming brief and you would come up with Kodak. And then something we'll talk about a little about our name, domain name modifiers. What are different modifiers that we can use? And I'll get into that in detail in just a little bit. Also in the naming brief, I like to challenge our clients to come up with name styles that they like and why. So I have them list five brand names that they collectively like as a group, as a brand group, and go ahead and list them out and why. I do the same thing and I ask them, what names do you dislike and why? And we get that out. So we get a sense of where people's sensibilities are, what kind of names they like, what's resonating with them. And we also go ahead and create an acid test for the name. This is a sentence typically like your positioning statement that says something like blank is the blank for our clients and our customers that has this and that. And that is just a way that you can have a consistent sentence to test the name as you're going through. And then we just go ahead and list anything that's good to know. I'll ask the team or the client, hey, anything else we want to know? And a lot of times there's just things we haven't thought of, different beliefs, different opinions, different approaches that they want to take. And we'll go ahead and put that in the brief as well. And this becomes a document that we can rally around and get our heads around for the naming process. And when in doubt, we always return to the brief. Uh, some other things that you can consider when creating a name are like, how do we know it's going to be successful? So creating performance criteria, what positioning criteria do we need to think about 
uh, legal, like, hey, are there any legal things we need to think of? And what about any regulatory criteria, if any? So those might be some advanced naming criteria that you might have to add to your brief. This episode brought to you by Wild Story. Wait, isn't that your company? It is. And without the generous support of Wild Story, this show would not be possible. A brand isn't a logo or a tagline or even your product. A brand is a person's gut feeling about a product, service, or company. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. Wild Story helps progressive founders and savvy marketers build purpose-driven brands that connect their business goals with the customers they want to serve so that both the business and the customer needs are met. This results in crazy, happy, loyal customers that purchase again and again, and this is great for business. If that sounds like something you and your team might want to learn more about, reach out at www.wildstory.com, and we'd be happy to tell you more. Now back to our show. Now, I'm going to go ahead and lay out multiple approaches that you might have if you're a solo practitioner or just doing this by yourself. If you're a bigger company and you're collaborative and you want to go ahead and have it facilitated or even how to be collaborative and co-create on your own. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. But before we get into that, we're going to lay out a little bit of ground rules. No matter how you're approaching this, the one thing you can never, ever, 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 ever do is fall in love with a name. And it's almost impossible because every time I go through this, I fall in love with names all the time. But what's going to happen is most likely due to legal considerations, due to domain considerations, due to other considerations, that name is going to be kicked out. And so you're going to have your heart broken over and over and over again. Don't fall in love with a name. Take a approach where you distance yourself from it emotionally, you will be a lot better off. Remember, as you're going through this, creativity is sensitive. It's a fickle, fickle thing. There are no bad ideas. And oftentimes the craziest idea either becomes the best idea or it's the idea that we can build off of and find that right name. So there are no bad ideas. When in doubt, return to your brief. Remember, recenter, go back to that brief and remember why you decided to go on this process of looking for a name, what you were looking for, what you said you wanted and didn't want in a name. Expect at least 50% of all the names you come up with to be rejected. That's just the facts, probably more. Set your, set your expectations to be like 70%. Like you are going to have amazing names. I just did this the other day and I came up with some amazing names, names I love, names I thought were great, names I thought were going to be in the naming hall of fame. And they were rejected for whatever reason. One, the client didn't like them. Two, they didn't pass muster on legality or trademark. And three, it just wasn't the right name. So generating a lot of names, but expect a lot to be rejected. And then lastly, I really, really, really want you to enjoy the process. Whenever are you going to get the chance to throw out crazy names and name an awesome business? If you're just starting, you really only get to name your business once. If you're renaming, this is probably the only other time you get to name it. And you're so stoked because you're in a business that you love and you're a part of and you want to rename this business and leave your mark. I mean, this is like the coolest thing. Get excited about it. Have fun. Relax and don't take it so seriously. So there are three different approaches you can take when naming the business. There's the solo approach. You just sit down and you start brainstorming names and I'll go through that. The second approach is a collaborative workshop style facilitated process that involves the entire company. The benefit of this is you give a sense of excitement and ownership to the whole company. You bring in a third party who's going to take you through this and exactly knows how to walk you through the naming process, is going to keep you on track. It's also going to break up any uh, disagreements or arguments you might have about naming. We'll also be able to advise you on what they've seen from experience and really share their expertise. This is something that we do a lot of at Wild Story. And then there's a collaborative co-create, but you self-facilitate. You do it on your own. Everyone works together, but apart. 
And it's a model where you assign a quota of names each day with some guidance, like an exercise. People go off and work on their names and come back and you collect them. So I am a big fan of any type of co-creation or collaboration approach. Uh, even if you're solo, you can do this, you can collaborate. But I also believe that the people working in the business know the customer, the logo, the business better than anyone else ever can. They should know the customer better than anyone else can. And so it's important to tap into this insight and knowledge. This is usually where the best names come from. Now, Before you do anything, and this is very important, you need to choose a decider. And there can be only one. In a small company, this is usually the founder. It's easy. You're the decision maker. You're making all the decisions. The buck stops with you. But in larger companies, it can be the CMO, the owner of the naming project, or even the CEO. And you must choose a decider. Someone's going to have to decide at some point. This is why you get paid the big bucks. This is why you're an entrepreneur, because you make decisions. That really is what separates you from the rest of the people that you work with or from people not being entrepreneurs or from people not being CMOs or CEOs or other high level people in a organization. You have to make the decision. So who's going to be the decider and let everyone know who the decider is going to be. So I'm first going to actually start with the collaborative version and then talk about going solo is the techniques we talk about in the collaborative approach will be applicable to solo people and can be applied throughout all approaches. The first thing you want to do is build a brand team. So after you have your decider, uh, you want to build a brand team and you want to decide who is going to be on it. In a small organization, it'll just work itself out. You know, you have five people, probably all five people can be involved. In a larger organization, you want to try to get representation from all departments and all levels. Frontline employees who actually interact regularly with customers are the best. Plus, they're like, I've never been involved in a naming process. This is so cool. Just be honest with them about what it's going to be and, you know, that they're going to collaborate and their name may or may not get chosen. You can also do some really cool things like give people participation bonuses like gift cards to Starbucks. Just let them know that you are compensating them for their participation, not for their actual work. And you can even create contests around this if you want, where you can say, hey, if you make the list of the final 10 names, or if your name is chosen, something happens and really create a lot of excitement around this whole process. And then you're going to have built in advocates and influencers when this name goes live because you don't want people on the front lines who you can't interact with every day saying this name sucks i didn't like that name they didn't you know you want them to be a fan you want them to be working for you and to really uh, have buy-in when you go through this so if you're doing a collaborative facilitated workshop style naming session i really prefer an agenda that goes a little something like this. So we start off with some intros and housekeeping for about 15 minutes, do some quick intros of everyone in the room. Uh, The facilitator, their job is to keep things uh, moving. We talk about why we're here, the brief, that we're not looking for the perfect name, but the right name. Here is a big one that we must speak in names, not in ideas. So we don't want people to say, "Mm, I want it to have a feeling of adventure to say like, What is the name? Like, you know, is it Adventures R Us or whatever? Just say the name. Every name gets written down. So we go ahead and we either have whiteboards or paper all around the room. And we go ahead and write every single name down. There is no evaluation of names at that point. And I really try to have no evaluation, positive or negative. Uh, If the name is good, it should stand on its own. We don't need a ton of explanation give them the whole, let's not worry about grandma's cat speech. We don't want that. And we also want to leave electronics out of this process. We don't want to do that. You can go ahead and leave the room to have make a phone call. We're all adults, but we just don't want to have electronics in the room. And so I'll break the ice for 30 minutes and I just go around and I make everyone say a name. People have been thinking about it. They know why they're there. They say a name and they go ahead and say the name get it on the board. Good. Everyone's said something They're They've loosened up a little bit and we just have them shout it out. We do that for about 30 minutes and go around the room, filling up the boards and the paper around the room. 
Next, we move to a visualization exercise, and I have them start to think about aspects of the brief and translate it into a personal emotion or sensation. Usually things like power, satisfaction, teamwork, freshness, whatever your brand stands for, I have them start to think about that. I take them through a visualization exercise where I actually have them kind of go to the opposite of that sensation, something where they maybe feel impotent, dissatisfied, isolated, or dirty. I kind of ham it up. I get them going. I think about it. I make them try to feel that physically. And I really want them to hate that feeling. Then I flip it and tell them, hey, I'm going to take that feeling away. And when I snap my fingers, I'm going to have them feel the opposite. And what's really important about this is that the opposite scenario is presented much more vaguely than the first one. I want them to, I'm not leading them a lot. I'm not giving them the answers. I want the people in the room to imagine it. I want them to see whatever comes to them instinctively as these associations are coming up. And they usually keep their eyes closed. And then I tell them to imagine the scenario in sensual terms. What does it look like? Taste like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? What does it even smell like? And then with their eyes closed, I have them just start shouting out names. And I'm writing like crazy on the, the board. A nice facilitation pro tip is to repeat the name back to somebody and say, thank you, and make sure you got the name right. So if they say, dog chow, you say, dog chow, thank you. A lot of times they'll tell me, no, I said, dog sow, and then I'll have to go ahead and fix it. So it's really a nice thing to say the name back and then say, thank you, when you're facilitating. We'll take a little break. Then this is one of my favorite little exercises that we do. It's called the fake language exercise. And the whole idea of this is to really get people coming up and collaborating on made up words, on words that don't exist. And so what I'll do is I'll pair them up. I'll say, find a partner and sit next to them side to side, like you're on an airplane. And then I'll say, Hey, okay, uh, go ahead and get ready to have, you know, when you're on the airplane and you have that really uncomfortable chit chat where like, you know, I'm the type of person that puts their headphones on. I don't want to talk to anyone. All of a sudden someone starts trying to talk to me and they're like, yeah, they'll be nodding their heads. I'm like, all right, go, go start, you know, having a role play of one of those conversations. And right before, like they'll say like one word and right before they launch it, I'll be like, whoa, 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 wait, wait a second. Before you do that, I actually want you to have this uncomfortable chit chat conversation in a made up language. And this is a moment of great fun, and it's great to be facilitating on the side because their faces just look at you like, what the, what did you say? There'll be some questions, and I'll say, yeah, yeah, have it in in a made-up language. And they'll dive right in. So after a little bit of warm-up, they'll start you know, talking in their made-up language, and I'll tell them to talk to their partner about something they're really passionate about. So think about a hobby. Think about something that you really believe in. Think about something that you stand for. Now, in your made-up language... Start having that conversation. And this starts to really up-level the energy in the room and get them rolling. They're laughing. They're, they're, they're having a great time. They're smiling. They, they're like, wow, I didn't think this was going to be like that. And as, as the room starts to kind of really get lively and starts to, to build, I'll ask them to come back and uh, let's think about the naming brief. And I'll have them start to communicate the features and benefits in their new language. And I'll be listening for anything that comes up that's any great names. And, and I'll write those down, but I'm, but I'm more just kind of facilitating getting them going. And even if they're not trying to create a made-up name, everything is, is, is really easy after that. I bring them back. And then I say, what was the name of your brand in your invented language? I go around. That's another name. We keep writing them down. And we keep coming up with alternatives that convey a similar spirit. So that's a ton, a ton of fun. After that, we start to brainstorm on specific words and places. So we'll start thinking like words specific to uh, the business. Are there places? Are there different uh, feelings? Is there different lingo? And we'll do that. So then we'll go ahead and put all those names up on the board. And then uh, that's about uh, three hours. And so what I really, really like to do is... So I bring with me these little pink stickers or little pink dots, and I give everybody five stickers and I ask them to go and put a sticker next to the five of their top five names. And everyone will silently go, gives everyone a voice and no sticker is greater than the other. Although you can give the decider super stickers if you want, uh, but not necessarily that can override everybody. So when you step back, 
you can look at all your names on the whiteboard or pieces of paper and they have pink stickers next to all your names and you kind of get this instant heat map of your favorite names. You can then take those back, thank the brand team, uh, let them know you're going to take them back and then go into some of these other exercises we're going to talk to to round out the list. But many times in a three-hour session like that, we can come up with hundreds and hundreds of naming options. So if you're looking to really get the most names at the top of that funnel, you'll be able to uh, really, really get a lot of names running a workshop just like that. All right. If we are co-creating uh, a collaborative type of naming process, but we're not bringing in a facilitator like myself to run the sessions, here is a good assignment method you can do. And this is kind of like what we do internally when we come back to the office and start thinking about names. So the first thing we want to do is we want to set a quota of names that are going to be required per person per day on the brand team. At a minimum, we want five names per day over a five-day period. And it's important to do names per day for many reasons. The most important is if you get behind on your quota, just like any other kind of quota, whether it's a sales quota or a code quota or anything, you're never, ever going to get caught up and get your names done. And and what I also like to find is that I like names to breathe uh, and, and your brain likes to breathe and you come back the next day with different perspective. Also, I don't know about you, but like if I'm thinking about a certain type of topic or name or theme, I'll exhaust myself in the session. And then later that day, I'll be at dinner or I'll be dreaming at night when I'm asleep or I'll be the next morning making coffee and a new name in that theme hits me, a name that I never would have thought of. I'll be driving to the market, something. And so it's just great to have that in your consciousness and not try to do it all at once. And now when we talk about five names, we're talking about five good names per day. This doesn't mean submit the first five names that come to you and turn them in really quick. But typically for each assignment, take 60 to 90 minutes each day to brainstorm as many names as possible and then cull them down, whittle them down to five of your favorites each day. If your brand team has five people, You'll get 25 names at a minimum that each person considers their best each day. And at the end of the day, you should have 125 high quality names. If you can't find a couple names that you think are the right name out of 125, uh, I'd really challenge you on that because at 125 really high quality names, my estimation is that you've probably generated amongst your group at least a thousand names to get down to those. So on day one, what you're going to do is you're going to prompt your brand team and we're just going to do the obvious. First of all, you just want them any names they've been thinking about. Then we want them to think about how the name should make customers feel, what it does, how it does what it does. So if your product does something specific, features and benefits of the product, think of OMG, yes. And uh, also that's a what it does. Experiences around what the business does and then thinking about your values, beliefs, and what the business stands for. So you can give them that checklist. They should be thinking about, hey, what does the customer make them feel, what it does, and then go off and generate names. Day two, let's think about like the internal. What is the slang and the lingo of the industry, the business? Are there any inside jokes or stories? Is there anything about the backstory or the founding story of the business that might generate a name? How many tries did it take to find success like WD-40 if you're inventing a new product? Things like that. Think about the story of your business, how you came to be, why you're in business, and use that as your prompt on day two. Day three is one of my favorites, the pop culture day. And so what we want to do is we want to start Googling books, movies, iTunes playlists, all inspired by your business. You want to use sites like brainyquote.com and start looking for quotes and things like that that might inspire a name. You want to think of popular phrases around your business or the customers you serve. Search Amazon. Man, that is such like a, a pro tip. Most people don't search Amazon when naming, but you know, think about your industry, your competition. Go to Amazon. Look for names there. Not to use the names of other products, but you might see something there. Get out of the office, take a walk, go to a movie, a library, an art museum, and start thinking of names that relate to your business. Have fun with this, folks.
Day four is the People, Places, Things, and Spaces Day. So think about other people, historically, historical people, fictional people, made up people that would inspire or add to the name. Think like names like Warby Parker. Martha and Marley Spoon is a home delivery service that comes to mind that has Martha Stewart in the name, right? Think about that. Bausch and Loam. Varney. Doing a lot of glasses here. I guess I'm into sunglasses and eyeglasses, but those are all named after people. Which brings me to number two. What are the name and the name of your founders? A company I work with, Thor Industries, is the mashup of their two founder names, Wade Thompson and Peter Orthwine. Thompson and Orthwine. Thor. What about places? Is there something about the region or the place that your business is located in that inspires you or has a feeling that, that evokes a sensation in your customers? I tend, I think of the trend of using area codes like 303 here in Colorado for a business name or M22 around my cottage in Michigan was a huge name that was based on a place, but evokes feelings of adventure in Northern Michigan. And also start thinking in terms of metaphor. On day five, we have name mashup day. So start looking at your names list, all the names you've generated to this point and start looking for combination of names that will work in order to create a made up word. Get silly. I love names that bring a smile to the face. And so does everybody else. People will remember your name. And remember, the point of your name is to represent your business and drive sales. So you want people to remember that name. There are no bad ideas. So when you're mashing up names, get crazy, get kooky. These wacky ideas are a great place for good names to be born. And if it's not the actual name, it's oftentimes a really good jumping off point. Another tip is you can generate a mind map. So after those five days, you can go back. If you're looking for other ways to generate names, Try mind maps and, and some inspiration things you can think of are language, the meaning of, of your business, personality, dictionaries. You can Google things, get into the thesaurus, uh, look at Latin root names, Greek root names, foreign languages, mass culture, poetry, television shows, music, history, art. Uh, look at Amazon for commerce, colors, symbols, metaphors, analogies, sounds, science, technology, astronomy, myths stories, values, dreams. I literally have that all as a list and I'll just start to use one as an anchor word and I'll mind map off of that. Other ways that you can start building names once you have your lists are you can take a feeling, an adjective or benefit and then abstract or modify it. And what I mean by that, here are some examples. The idea of precision optics moves into the word precise. And then we come up with the brand name of Zeiss. Naturally Sweet Juice moves into Tree Sweet as a brand name. Atmospheric sound that envelops you into atmospheric Dolby Atmos is a brand name. HTML email, that became Hotmail. We want to organize the world, which is a Google, a number with a hundred zeros. Sky peer-to-peer became Skype. So some other frameworks that you can use to generate names. And if you're stuck, list out either in a mind map format or in a list format. Think of playful names. Try to come up with as many alliteration names as you can. Alliteration is so good. Challenge yourself to come up with invented names. Come up with some descriptive names. Think of names that pay homage or tribute to the birth of your brand. So origin names. Think of names that blend a mix of modern words, technical language, and function. These would be considered technical names, something like Xerox or something like that. Conjoin names. This is where we're doing some made-up names. You can try acronym names. I'm not a big fan of acronym names, but where I will advise you to use those is if you're trying to use that to build or inspire some other names. And then random names. You can just come up with names that don't really mean anything and see if they fit. 
So now that you have all these names, I'll give a little parting thought on names that are constructed of Greek or Latin root words. That's usually a really popular way to go. That, and you know, that's been a, a long standing way of delivering names. But these names are what I would call low imagery names. Names like Accenture. It doesn't really, it's not very vivid. It doesn't make you think of anything. So when you think of words that are more from the Anglo-Saxon dictionary, these are words or names that people tend to think in high imagery, names that provide really vivid mental pictures. So if you think of Apple Computer or Betty Crocker, so just think of that as you're going through your names. And sometimes you might not want a high imagery name, uh, but just know that that's what's happening when you go ahead and use those names that are of Greek or Latin root words. So a real quick review on tools you can use. Remember Google. Uh, I like google.images.com. When you go to the image, it'll make you think of different things. Amazon, brainyquote.com, thesaurus.com. And I love playing with cliches. Go ahead and do that. Cliches are not good for writing, but they're great for uh, coming up with new names and phrases like OMG, yes. Man, I'm giving them a lot of play today, but I do love that name. You can also Google movie titles. So I'd go ahead and Google uh, your word that you're thinking of that you really like, plus movies. Uh, that can come up with a lot of great ideas. You can do the same with book titles. Google the, a word that you're thinking of on Amazon and only uh, show the images and see what comes up and if anything inspires you there. iTunes, such a good place to look and get inspiration. Here is a pro tip. Search by popularity as these will be the results that people know best and will have an emotional connection with. All right, let's talk about URLs really quick. This is a big one. What do I do? Nothing I like is available. And I'm going to call fooey on that hogwash. That is not true. People get so hung up on URLs. They want to be able to have their exact name.com. And that just is A, unrealistic. And B, if you get imaginative, you will be able to get the URL you want. And C, you can use some of these strategies. So one of the things you can do is just add another word or two as a domain modifier to your URL. Uh, a good one is to try to turn a call to action to your URL choice. So some examples might be getdropbox.com or enjoycoke.com. You can start thinking of buy, insert your company name.com, my, insert your company name.com, the, insert your company name.com, try your company name.com, go your company.com, shop your company.com, enjoy your company.com, or we are, which is one of my favorites, your company. Com. You could also use a creative phrase here, something that is actually not your company name, but that can reinforce your brand, uh, help aid in SEO and make people smile. For this one might be, and this is going to be a made up one, but I have friends in the restaurant business, the Bananos, and they have a a noodle bar uh, that does uh, ramen noodles. And on the back of their shirts, it says, we have the best buns in Denver because they make these amazing Asian buns. And so you could do something if the name of the restaurant wasn't available. So they sell bao buns, which are pretty common. A lot of people sell bao buns, but let's just go with the hypothetical that their name of their restaurant was the Bananos Bao Buns and they couldn't get bowbuns.com or something like that, they could use what's on the back of their t-shirt, which is we have the best buns.com or we have the best buns in denver.com or best bowbuns.com, something like that. So you could have a lot of fun with that. And that's a lot of fun using a creative phrase. Strategy number three is to use a backend modifier for your domain. So you could use .net or .biz extension. Look, people just don't care anymore. 
you know, there used to be a time where if it wasn't a dot com, you used to raise your eyebrows and really question about the business. But most people don't care. And if they're trying to find you and typing your name into the internet, someone's trying to type in wildstory.biz and they don't get me, they're going to keep trying. So they're looking for me or they're going to be doing a search and they're going to click on the URL and get to me anyway. So I'm not really that wrapped around the axle about having this perfect domain domain name. But again, you can use an extension on the back end. So you can use a descriptive modifier. So with your business, you could the name of your business and then what you're in, things you know like climbing.com. So let's use, let's pretend the name of the business is blue. So we could do blueclimbing.com, bluememories.com, blueagency.com, bluepodcast.com, or bluecars.com. Those would all be examples of different domain names that you could go ahead and modify. And then you can also try, like I said, the .net, .biz, or even .co is becoming very popular. And I see that all the time. A lot of tech companies do .io. It's just not that big of a, a, a problem. And I just really wouldn't get too wrapped around the axle on that. So now that you have all these names, we're going to move into the testing phase. The uh, We're going to start to go down that funnel and limit the names that we have. And I want you to take your top 30 or 50 names. And I want you to go ahead and do a high-level clearing search yourself. So what this means is I want you to Google until your fingers bleed. I want you to see if there are any conflicts in your industry right away. Uh, You're going to kick out a bunch of names uh, really quick, and that is good. You're not going to spend a lot of time there. I want you to see if there's any domain conflicts, specifically industry conflicts, uh, competitors you may have missed, things that are absolute no's. I also want you to look at potential domain name combinations where you might be spelling something that you're not intended on spelling. There's a whole website devoted to this. And I'm not going to get into that on this podcast, but there's a whole website of funny uh, domain names that actually spell things you're not meaning them to spell or bad words. And you want to make sure you're not doing that. You then want to go ahead and take your 10 top 10 names or so into legal for clearing. It doesn't cost that much for a trademark lawyer to do high-level clearing, and it can save you a ton of time, headaches, and money. Uh, I work with a lawyer who sometimes will even, if you are going to go ahead and do the trademarking with him, will clear those for you at no cost uh, if you just have a couple. Uh, and so go ahead and talk to a trademark lawyer. We certainly can recommend some to you here at Wild Story, so reach out if you are interested in that. But it's going to save you any money you spend, and it's not a lot, is going to save you a ton of time, headaches, and money because there's nothing worse than starting to build out a brand and a brand identity only to find out down the line that you can't own that name or that trademark. So then you want to start to list out and take into consideration where that name will be used and how that might show up in local, regional, or even global applications. So start thinking about signage, start thinking about the internet, your email signature, start thinking about uh, t-shirts, your voicemail. Typically, when we do a visual identity expression, the best way people can get really excited about a new visual identity is when they can see that in practice. But, you know, if you have a big global brand, this is why global names are usually made up, things like Lenovo or Accenture, because Names in our language might mean something totally different, potentially offensive or misleading in another language. And so you'd really need to think, will this name be used in a global environment? Could it mean something really bad in a different language or a different culture, especially if you're doing business in said culture? When we get into testing, we want to do some contextual testing. The first thing to do is remember way back in the brand brief, in the naming brief, we actually had a acid test. We created a sentence that we can go ahead and put the name in. That's a great place to start. We also, we want to save the name. We want to practice leaving the voicemail. Hey, this is Mark from Wild Story. Leave me a message. Does it sound right? Does it feel right? You want to email the name to yourself. If you have design research, if you have design research, Resources, go ahead and put it on a business card, put it into an ad headline, and then go ahead and uh, put it into the voice of what your customers might say, what your uh, leadership team might say. If you're a big business, what it might sound like on an earnings call. 
One of my favorites is why you have an iPhone handy. Go ahead and use voice commands to ask Siri to do a Google search uh, for the brand name you're considering or uh, Google Home or Amazon. See what results you're going to get back and whatever results you get back or what your customers will see. And you'll be shocked at what you may or may not see. One of the favorite exercises we like to do when we are working with clients with uh, bigger brands is what we call the voice of the stakeholder exercise. And what we do is we create one page for each name candidate. We'll go ahead and we'll develop five to 10 statements using that name in context. As an example, new name is the product I trust. New name is the product I recommend to all my friends. I can't get through my day without new product, et cetera, et cetera. We'll then go ahead and attribute each statement to a key stakeholder. So new name is the product I trust. Ozzy Jones, our favorite customer. And then we'll have each decision maker and everyone on the brand team read one statement out loud. We'll discuss about what we like about each name first. And then we'll say, well, were there any challenges that I heard secondarily? And that's a great way. Once that name gets out and gets out and, and, and is voiced, uh, we learn so much. And you really get to see what names resonate, what names sound interesting, and what might be the right name. Another really inexpensive way is just to print the name large in Helvetica font on a piece of paper. One single name, just the name, nothing else, and black. Hold it up for yourself, hold it up for others internally, hold it up for customers who actually spend their hard-earned money on your product or service, and see what resonates. Ask them what it makes them think and feel. Ask them what business you are most likely to purchase from. And then listen to this. All right, you have gotten down to your preferred name. You have made legal checks. You're found the domain. Make sure you have a story. You will be asked why you came up with that name, and you should have a good reason. Nothing worse than someone saying it was a short URL. People internally are going to want to know why. You can almost have any name and have any name work as long as you tell them why. Do not share your names with outsiders and ask for their opinions on SurveyMonkey or Google Forms. Trust yourself on what feels right to you. Trust yourself what you learned on people that are actually going to be interacting with the name. One of my biggest pet peeves is when I see this or the What logo do you like best on Facebook? Hey, no one knows what you are trying to accomplish, who your customers are, who the stakeholders are, what the criteria for success is. No one is in tune with your naming brief. Don't do this. This is just going to lend to bad feedback. It's going to shake your confidence and you're not going to get the end result that you want. Hey, With your name, don't afraid to be different. A little discomfort is a good thing at first. It means you are doing something that people haven't seen before. This is good. Being different is good. Don't be the same. Remember, never fall in love with a name. You risk losing that name and having a broken heart. And if I can leave you with anything... The biggest mistake people make in naming is not allowing themselves to enjoy the process. Remember, how often do you get a chance to sit in a room and think of ways you'd like to have your company and products discussed? This is fantastic fun. Enjoy the experience. Lean into it. Get wacky. Be different because you're not going to get this experience again. Everything else in business is much, much more difficult. Well, that is my primer on naming. I hope that that was helpful for you. I hope that you learned something. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to email me at podcast at wildstory.com. If you liked this, if you disliked this, if you have any feedback, if you have any questions on naming, if you'd like me to do different episodes on different branding topics, I'm happy to do a deep dive on just about everything that we cover here at Wild Story if you found this to be helpful. Thanks for listening and providing feedback, and I hope that you and your team come up with the right name. Well, that's the show. Thanks for listening. 
Make sure to visit our website, www.wildstory.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss an episode. I like big stories and I cannot lie. You other storytellers can't deny. 